And welcome back, Flyers fans, to another edition of HW Full Circle. I'm your host, as always, Jack Smith, along with my co-host, as always, C. Ferrari. This is the home of the Metro Report, as well as some around the NHL news. And we bring everything back full circle to your Philadelphia Flyers. We'll quite frankly talk about whatever grinds our gears and however we feel about it. But before we start today's episode, just be reminded that HW has teamed up with Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineer tools for your family jewels. With the redesigned electric trimmer, the Manscaped team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and they just released a new and improved lawnmower 3.0. The premium battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can shave longer. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the cool features is the led light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming and let's not forget about that charging stand show off your mower loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by usb refined the new cologne from manscape this powerful and manly fragrance combined with your manscape stick and pucks is your optimal lineup you need to experience this precision firsthand. Let's get that bush to tush clean, get 20% off and free shipping by using the promo code HW at manscaped.com. Make your testies their besties. Your balls will thank you for it. And I think I am getting faster and faster at that read every time with minimal mistakes. Steve, it's been two weeks. How you been? I'm good, man. Uh, last week, I uh, had to take the week off. I uh, had a nice little trip down to Miami, got some warm weather, um, celebrated a friend's birthday down there. So it was, uh, it was a good little trip. Um, I definitely felt out of the loop, though. It's it's weird when you're when you're away from your home and just not in your home market. The, the hockey in Florida is not quite the same as here. Um, when we went out, that's not what was on TV, but yeah, it is what it is. Nice little uh, getaway from New Jersey in February, so I can't complain. You mean the Florida Panthers weren't all over the place down there? Uh, they were not, unfortunately, but eh, I'll take the warm weather. Yeah, I don't blame you there. Um, well, it's good to have you back, as uh, we did miss last week's show. Uh, I'm sure you fine folks didn't want to hear me just talk to myself about <laughs> God knows what was on my mind last week. So we'll get into it this week. Not a whole lot of change, but we'll get into what did change. Some around the NHL news. First thing, the top of the list. Sidney Crosby and Travis Sajak each played their 1,000th game in the NHL. We looked up some stats before we got into this and the difference in players here. Uh, I'll just start with Crosby real quick. As you know, he came into the league in 2005-06 season. I believe that was directly after the lockout. And as much as we hate him, as much as he's a sissy crybaby, he's gotten better with that, but he still is what he is. Uh, he'll never be as good as Gretzky. McDavid will pass him. Um he is one hell of a player. Uh, to this date, he has played 1,003 1, games, 469 goals, 812 assists for 1,281 points. First season in the NHL, he had 102 points. He followed that up with 120. He's had one, two, three, four, four more 100-point seasons since then, a bunch of 80s. Um, he's all over the place. He's a first ballot, sure Hall of Famer. What else did we expect? Um, so, yeah, that's Sidney Crosby for you. Uh, but to jump over to Travis Sajak, and also played 1,003 games. That's uh, in 15-year NHL career. He came in in 06-07, spent his entire career with the Devils. He has not topped 200 goals. <laughs> he's In 1,000 games, he's got a, 197 goals, 
337 assists and 534 points. I mean, Steve, when you see those numbers and this many games played, what comes to mind? It's funny. You think a thousand games in the NHL and you think of your Joe Thornton's um, now Sidney Crosby, which you knew he was going to get to. And you think those guys are generally going to put up a lot of stats. I looked at Crosby stats that you just rattled off and it's pretty much what you'd expect. You know what type of player he is. And then you see the stats that back it up. Um, so a thousand games, no surprise. And he's missed something like 200 uh, games in his career just due to injury. Uh, along the way. But Zajac, it's like he's the most it, it feels like the most mediocre thousand games. And I hate to say that about a guy because by all accounts, he's an incredible teammate. Um, nobody has ever said a bad word about the guy. But I looked at it and I had to make sure I was looking at the right thing. Like I was expecting to see roughly 800 or so points. Um, but then we look at it, 197 goals, 337 assists for 534. It's just, it's really surprising. Like a guy averaging a half, half point per game, it, it says a lot about his play when he's not putting up points. Um, to get a 1,000 games, you really have to be a pretty good player in this league. But quite frankly, unless I saw it on paper, I never would have believed he had that few points. So you think of Crosby as a superstar, the 1,000 games that kind of backs it up, and then Zajac, he's just kind of there. Like, you almost forget about them. Like every couple years when they're playing the Devils, and now we play them more because of uh, the way the divisions and, and COVID, but like you'll go through stretches. It's almost like you forgot he was playing for them. Um, and it's it's kind of sad for a 15-year career, but um, it was just – it was really surprising to see that was the the points that he had uh, over, over his career so far. Just lackluster stats. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I was surprised to – um, yeah, it was the Devils, not exactly an offensive team. And you consider he's his first season was like year two after the uh, full season strike. So things were still different back then and not quite what they were today. Um, his best seasons, at least statistically, were uh, in 08-09 and 09-10, where he played all 82 games both seasons. In uh, 08-09, he had 20 goals, 42 assists for 62 points. He finished seventh in the Selkie voting. And then the next year after that, 82 games played, 25 goals, 42 assists again for 67 points, finished sixth in the Selkie voting. After that, the closest he came to anything significant, it was a bunch of 40-point seasons. He had a couple of seasons lost to injury. Uh, 48 was the highest he would get in there. He would, he would follow it up with a couple of 46, 45 seasons, but really – 14-15, 74 games played, 11 goals, 14 assists for 25 points. Um, in 17-18, 63 games for you know 12 goals, 14 assists, 26 points. Like there are some third, fourth line numbers on these on these couple of these years here. And when I look at how many games he played in some of these seasons, it's like wow. Um, I, I know a lot of it in his early career was probably a product of playing with a team of the Devils with Brodor and how they approach the game and they have really haven't been anything relevant outside of their one Stanley cup run. And what was that like 2014, 15 or 13, 14, uh, maybe, uh, it was either, I think it was 13, 14. Does that sound right? 13, 14, or maybe it was 11. It was 11, 11, 12. There, 11, 12. 11, 12. Yeah. 11, 12. Yep. And you know what? That was a season. He only played 15 games, had two goals, four assists for six points. 
So he won, I don't even know if he was there for the unless he came back during the playoffs or something. Yeah, he played 24 in the playoffs. He had seven and seven, so he certainly contributed there. Right. He came back for the playoffs, but he was awfully fresh. He didn't contribute in the regular season really at all. Um, I and mean, that's really not his fault. But the point is, he wasn't really that impactful, if you ask me. And um, yeah, he's got for 15 years that to barely have over 500 points. It's like, and not even to have 200 goals, but considering the amount of ice time he's gotten. And we know he's been on every line on the team, first, second, third, power play, penalty kill. Like he's, you know, he's done it all because he's been with them for so long. But to not have the stats is, is, I was shocked, like you said, to say the least. Don't want to shit on him too long. I'm sure Devils fans adore him, but I'm sure if I pulled up Patrick Elias' stats, he'd blow him out of the water. And he was a long tenured Devil as well. So. Jeez, I, I mean, can you think of another comparable player in any team or league that played for this long and has just such lackluster stats? Like, he didn't even go to another team and come back. Nothing. Like, the only one that kind of came to mind when, when I looked at it, and, and maybe this isn't a great comparison, was was Jamie Moyer with the Phillies. <laughs> but, like, he always – maybe that's just because he only threw 79 miles an hour for his uh, – for his fastball and he never like looked like a dominant player when he was in Seattle, he was a fairly dominant pitcher. It's hard to be dominant throwing 80, but um, he was a really good player at the time. So I wonder if it's kind of like one of those things where he's just played so long that like to me with those numbers, there's no way he's a hall of famer. And I view most players. If you play a thousand games, you probably have the stats to back up a hall of fame career and maybe Devils fans, like you said, they'll they'd feel differently. Um, but they've been in the same division for as long as he's been in the league. So it's like I feel like I've seen enough of them to say he's not a Hall of Famer despite playing a thousand games. I mean, there's there's guys who play a thousand games and have nine hundred to a thousand points, and you have to make a case for them to get him. Like in what like right. we will have to with Giroux. You know, like we're gonna have to do that with Giroux, and he might hit have a thousand points and whatnot. Um but I don't understand. I mean, I guess it just is what it is. He's just, he's just, I don't, I can't find a comparable player because usually when you're that lackluster for that long, they just, the team just moves on from you. Or, right, or exactly. You try something different and whatnot. He's just, maybe he's just a local guy and the team likes him. And it's just one of those situations where they don't want him, you know, he's good with the community or whatnot, or he just embodies the devils or whatever. Yeah. Like I said, I, I, by all accounts, he's a great teammate, great leader in the locker room. And there's something to be said for that. that. That's a reason you can stick around in the NHL. But usually those guys that stick around also put up points. And I was just, like I said, I was just very surprised when I saw what his actual uh, counting stats were. Um, so, I mean, it, it's it's also a testament to him to be able to stick around that long and not be an elite scorer. So, I don't know. Hats off to the guy for playing a 1,000, but comparing the two the same amount of games played points-wise, it's a uh, it's a tad different, just to say the least. I mean, they haven't made a serious playoff run since, like like we said, I would assume 2011. Uh, they really haven't done much after that. I think the last time they made the playoffs was 17-18, where they lost in the first round. Um, pull up this here. Yeah, 17-18. Yep. Uh, yeah, and other than that, it looks like they didn't make the playoffs since they lost in the Stanley Cup until they lost in the first round. They haven't made it since. I mean, that is lackluster to say the least. And they, he's man, I, still on the team. Like, they'll move on from that. I don't know. It's very odd. I don't want to. 
I don't think it's worth shooting on for too long. He's just been in the league for so long. I would really actually like to ask a Devils player or fan rather uh, what that's all about. But hey, we just report the news. Uh, <laughs> a thousand games for Sajak Crosby, a, ta- a completely different tale of two players. We obviously know that Crosby is a generational talent, but uh, just very odd to have looked up those, that see those games played and look up the stats and see he's how rough it was to say the least. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Devils, uh, Nico Hischer, named captain of the New Jersey Devils, first game back from Broken Fibula, dons the sea. Your uh, your thoughts on that, Steve? Um, I like it. I think it's a good move for them. I, I don't know that he. I think Hischer that draft with him and Patrick. I think both of those guys are going to go down as not the best one-two picks we've seen. Um, like kind of like the. I think back to Kane JVR JVR is not anywhere near what Kane was, but at least Kane, you see him being one of the best players of his generation. Um, I don't think he ever going to get there, but I could see him evolving into kind of like a poor man's uh, Patrice Bergeron. And that's a lofty comparison, um, but I, maybe not points wise, but I think if he can mold his game to be kind of like that, that defensive mindset, and maybe he drops down to 2C where you've got Hughes kind of breaking out. Um, you see he's, he looks a lot stronger. So I think I think Heischer is going to be your uh, – maybe we'll, actually uh, another good one will be Sean Couturier from his early years with the Flyers where you used him in that checking role. Um, you didn't ask him to put, do too much offensively. I still think Heischer is going to be a good player in this league. Um, but I think giving him the C is good. Um, Hughes – if he doesn't have the A yet, I can't think off the top of my head, um, but he seems primed to have that A. And I think Jersey's kind of headed in the right direction. Um, they got to get that PK deal off the books, um, but I think he sure being named the captain is a, a step in the right direction for his team. Yeah, it was funny. I was actually – I didn't know who the captain was beforehand. I kind of never really looked into it. Um, and I was kind of like, you know, how come Sajak got like short end of the stick? And then we looked up his stats. And I was like, wow, he's actually not nearly as good as like <laughs> – I assumed he was. So makes more um, sense. It was um, it was nice in a weird way to see the team give it to a player who's been there, and not just their immediate best player, like we see so many teams do. Like Hughes, you're a future. Here's a C. Like I could see them doing something like that. I'm kind of glad they didn't. Ultimately, it's a locker room thing. Doesn't mean what it used to. So I I'm not gonna spend too much time on it. Um, but I do want to ask you about Heisher, Heisher and Patrick. At this point in both their careers, take the headaches out of it. Who would you rather have, and where do you think they're at? Man, that's a tough one. Um, I, I kind of – the bias – if I take the bias out of it and I take what happened last year with Patrick out, I feel like I've seen more from Heischer, so he's he's kind of the answer. But this year, I feel like we're seeing a, a different Patrick. Um we're seeing a little bit of that sample you got in his rookie year where you see him use the physicality a little bit. Um, but I think in terms of in the NHL, you got to put up points. If you don't score, you don't win games. And, and I think he sure right from what I've seen, if I'm judging him today, um, I'd probably lean slightly towards he sure. Um, but I'm not counting Patrick out by any means yet. Uh he sure could be a bit of a product of a lack of talent around him where he's kind of asked to do more than say Patrick is. Um, so I jury's out, but if I had to lean one way or the other, I'm going he sure today. Now that might yeah. change in a year. 
And I think I would too. And I kind of said forget the headaches, but ultimately you really can't. Although it yeah. doesn't seem to have been a problem this year outside of he Patrick needing more ice time. And he really has not had a good season, but he had some early success on goals. But you can break that down to luck. I mean, one went off his butt. The other one, Drew did everything, and he had an open net. Um, however, he has taken some hits, and he has not left the game. He has not missed time, which is really all I asked for. But I, I guess when I said if, if he's just healthy all year, I'll take it, which in theory I will. But seeing how we the team is and we need the production and we need you know him to produce, just give more to the team, it's hard for me to sit by and watch and just be like, yeah, he needed to do more than that. I'm glad you're healthy. But he ha- did have a, a more physical and better game, uh, not against Buffalo, against the Rangers. Um, I didn't get a chance to see uh, the Buffalo game yesterday because I was a baby shower. Um, that being said, I was glad to hear that about uh, the Rangers game. And what I did see, he was moving around and you know being more physical and more active. I just hope that keeps up. Uh, I'm a little worried because we'll get into this later with the Flyers as a whole where they stand for this year, but mainly their future uh, and how well Nolan Patrick plays could be a big part of that. So we'll get into that. We'll leave that, let that go. Um, The other big news was uh, Tammy Panarin uh, has taken a leave of absence to deal with this uh, situation in Russia where he's being accused from a former NHL player and head coach of some K, is it a KHL team? Yeah, KHL team. Uh, randomly coming out saying that he beat up a woman. There's no proof. There's no woman who said this. <laughs> um, uh, the first thing that jumps out is uh, this coach. What was his name? You had his name? Uh, it was uh, Andre. Andre Nazarov. Thank Nazarov. Um, he's a Putin supporter. Where Panarin had said something against Putin into one of his uh, to one of Putin's. Uh, detractors who is currently in prison so i don't know how much it matters timing is very odd do not know if it's politically motivated or not regardless panarin's not playing for the rangers right now that's what it is it sounds like he's trying to get his family out of russia um i don't know steve your thoughts on this whole situation it it sounds like complete and utter bullshit uh to not pull any punches there um if there was a woman that came out, I don't want to discount the situation. If this actually happened, it's a big deal, um, and it's got to be dealt with. But there's no woman that came out and said this. It's it's strictly coming from the coach. Panarin, we know he said some things in the media about a um, political enemy of Putin. Um, so to me, it's just a fabricated story that they're trying to make something out of, uh, maybe get Panarin to stop talking in the media. But you, you got to be worried. Like, it's amazing that these kind of things can still happen. Um, Russia's a, an interesting place, to say the least. Um, you you got to feel for the guy. He was playing good hockey, and the Rangers are losing their best player at a time when they really they can't afford to lose a guy like Panarin. So I hope this thing gets cleared up quickly, um, maybe after the Flyers play them again. Just wait till then. Um so we can bank a couple more points, but it's uh, it's a shame if it's just literally just a, a guy saying this because of uh, what he said in the media. Um, and it's it's sad that something like that can happen um, in, in this day and age. So 
all the, all the best to Panarin. If it's not true, which it doesn't sound like it is, hopefully he's back soon because he's good for the NHL. Uh, whether or not the Russian political faction likes it or not, he's he's a good thing for him. And the other thing I heard was this could be a potential uh, keeping him off the Russian Olympic team, maybe just uh, silencing him and saying you you might not want to come play for us in uh, in the Olympics, but. I don't know. I, I don't think there's anything going to come of it. it. It sounds like the NHL is standing behind Panarin. Um, and if he wanted to come back, he would. But I think he's got more pressing issues with his family to deal with first. So it, it hopefully he gets that all sorted out soon. Why Russia would, unless they really hate his political views or the fact that he's outspoken, but why they would want him off their uh, their team is mind-boggling to me, how much they quote-unquote care about hockey and uh, in winning at all costs to not have a guy like that in your roster seems awfully silly to me, but I guess politics are more of politics an issue. Win. Yeah. So uh, that's, you're right. It is a shame. And it's a shame for the Rangers as well, because they are finally with all they've been through starting to play a little bit better. Um, and then they lose Panarin, um, and, you know, and then the Flyers beat them on Thursday and they're, they have uh, 17 points in 18 games. And it seems like they're fighting an uphill battle and um, just to move on to the next thing real quick, uh, the Montreal Canadiens jumped out and they, they fired Claude Julian. I believe they lost three of four to the Ottawa Senators and their power play has been abysmal. And they, did, they didn't wait. They up and fired him. Uh, before I continue with that, just your whole thoughts on the Claude Julian situation with Montreal. I was surprised um, because you saw the way they started out. They were right there. Toronto, everybody was crowning them the best team. But Montreal was right there with them for a while. Um, they were playing great, and then the wheels kind of fell off. Uh, I know I, I want to say they were like one in five at home. Um, now, no fans. That's it's a little bit different for them because that place rocks when the fans are in there. Um, but you still you got to win games at home, and you lose, like you said, the games to the Senators, who they're a scrappy team, but a, a team like Montreal with what they added with Toffoli and Anderson and Jake Allen, they shouldn't be losing three or four to uh, to Ottawa. So I think it's kind of trying to shake the room up before you get too far out of contention. I mean, the North outside of Toronto, you're going to have a really tight bunch for that, that those three other playoff spots. Um, and I think it's, it's Bergevin making a move hopefully before they fall too far out of favor. Um, I don't think he's going to be out of work long. Um, I know you mentioned that the Rangers may have some interest, which, I think makes a lot of sense. He, he got fired from Boston and he got hired pretty quickly thereafter. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the Rangers make a move. Um, but I was, I, if I know we talked about it a couple weeks ago, uh, Quinn, I thought he was going to be the first one to go, but seems like uh, Julian just that he wasn't getting it done. So they had to move on. And just to go over his, uh, his career here uh, he, in the NHL, he played 14 games has one assist for one point, 25 penalty minutes, all of the uh, Quebec Nordiques in the 80s. Um, pretty much he started his head coaching career uh, in the NHL with the Montreal Canadiens uh, in 02-03. He spent three seasons there before jumping over to the Devils in 06-07 for one year. Uh, and then in 07-08, he became the head coach of the Boston Bruins, and he was that for 10 years, winning the Stanley Cup in 2010-11. He has uh, the Jack. He won the Jack Adam Awards in 08-09, and he's been the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, it's funny because he was fired in 2016-17 by Boston, 
and got would he get hired the next day for Montreal? Seemed like it, yeah. He had a total that season. He played 55 games with Boston and then 24 more with the Canadians that year and actually went to the playoffs and lost in the first round. Um, since then, he's missed the playoffs two previous seasons. He would have missed the playoffs in 1920. However, due to the restructuring, due to the bubble, he uh, managed to knock off the Penguins before losing to the Flyers. And, uh, they looked like they were okay to start the season this year, if not – above people's expectations um just out of curiosity i don't have the standings in front of me do you know what their record is right now canadians they are i thought they were the way they were being talked about that they were like the number two team up there at least they were there. they were now they're they're in fourth place they got 23 points uh in 20 games played and then winnipeg's four points ahead of them in third place and the flames are have 22 so they're right behind but they were in second place for a good portion of the year, and then they just went on that pretty uh, pretty brutal stretch where they just couldn't seem to buy a win. And they were given Toronto fits. And yep. The, yep. Toronto's the, easily the top team in the division. Things seem to be shaping up. But, yeah, they went on that five-game losing streak, which they're currently on. Um, excuse me. Uh, yeah, that's tough, especially when you're losing to a bottom-dwelling team like that. And, you know, Montreal ain't messing around. And I think Bergerman might be feeling the heat a little bit as well as he's been there for quite a while. Um, interesting to see what happens. The Rangers haven't pulled the trigger on David Quinn yet. Uh, and with everything going on over there, I don't know if they do. However, you sometimes – and, you know, Ed Schneider was like this. You see an opportunity for the guy you like and want. You don't give a shit who your coach is at the time if you're losing – you know, you, you fire him, you bring in whoever you want. So we'll see what happens. I was reading and I pretty much heard that whenever Claude Julian wants to come back to hockey, he will. <laughs> so it's up to him, essentially. So I believe keep it. an eye on that. If uh, he signs with the Rangers, remember, you heard it here first. And the, uh, the last piece of information uh, or news, rather, this week uh, does strike home to the Flyers a little bit. Uh, Ron Hextall takes over for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and one of the first things he does is claim former third-round pick of his own, Mark Freeman, off waivers to the Pittsburgh Penguins, who do need defense. Your thoughts when you saw this? It was kind of just – I was more surprised by the seeming outrage on Twitter um, and in social media than than anything like Freeman's, uh, I saw nothing out of, like, he's a nice player. Don't get me wrong. But I saw nothing out of him to suggest he's anything more than a fringe six, seven guy in the NHL. Um, he'll probably be in the NHL for quite a while because those type of players are valuable to a team. Uh, they don't make a lot of money. They can slide in and out of the lineup pretty seamlessly. Um, but Friedman more or less is what he is. I, I didn't see any kind of ceiling there that makes losing him really hurt. Um, I think because it's Pittsburgh and Hextall, it feels like a little bit worse, but I, I can't really cry too much over losing Mark Friedman. And that's exactly how I feel. It, it, if I'm Hextall and I need defensive depth and I see an opportunity to grab a guy that I drafted and kind of tell my old franchise, you know, F you, exactly. how could you not? It, it checks so many boxes. I can't even blame him, you know? And here's a Flyers fan. I think maybe some people like Friedman. I I just think that he's in he's like a number eight at best. You know, it's like he's not even a six seven guy. He's he's an eight. Um, and I just never saw much from him. I know he kind of held his own at times, but ultimately, 
they had him at wing at some point, which was silly. Uh, I never <laughs> was impressed with Friedman. And outside of his initial call up where he did kind of, I guess, hold his own, he made some pretty big mistakes and he was nothing more than a depth piece. And with all the uh, prospects we have, I just rather see somebody else. You know, I'd rather see Zamola or York in the future. You know, you already got our bronze and our, our hags on the back end, the, the bottom dwelling, you know, six, seven guys. He's, we don't, we just don't need him. And uh, maybe he could have stuck with the fans, but I just had no interest. This did not bother me one iota. It's one of those classic overreactions to a guy you saw, and he was the the, the defense had been playing well, but he you brought him up, you'd heard a little bit about him, and then of course you lose him to the Penguins. It's almost like the uh, back in the day, think back to J. A. Happ and uh, uh, what's the guy with the glasses, the pitcher? Vance uh, Worley. Vance Worley, where everybody's overhyping these guys just because they saw him, and it's it's recency bias, but. I think when we look back on it a couple of years, Mark Friedman is it, it may or may not be on a NHL roster. And I think we'll look back and be surprised that anybody was actually mad about it. So, yeah, everybody does it. You know, uh, I remember doing it when the uh, Colorado, Colorado Avalanche claims Mark Alt. I was oh, like, yeah. Oh, I, was, I always liked that guy with the Phantoms and he finally gets called up and we go to send him back down and boom, he's gone just like that. Yep. And yeah, but ultimately the guy wasn't an NHL defenseman. Right. So, yeah, there's no harm, no foul. Uh, honestly, if I we were playing the Penguins and I saw Freeman was in the lineup for the Penguins, it would be a good like, thing. All right. Yeah, great. So, let, let's be real here. Um, so we'll go over some of the Mass Mutual East standings as of today, which is February 28th, 2021. Currently, the Washington Capitals are in first place. They've played 20 games, 11 wins, 5 losses, 4 overtime losses with a plus 3 goal differential and 26 points. Boston has slipped down in the second place. Um, they're tied with the Islanders for second, each team with 24 points. Boston does have two games in hand if they've only played 18 at 11, five and two with a plus six goal differential where the Islanders have played 20 games and are 10, six and four with a plus five differential in fourth are your Philadelphia Flyers who've just gotten back to playing. Uh, they have 23 points in 17 games. That's 10, four and three with a plus four differential. Definitely got to like that, but that is, it was, I think even until the last two, if not worse, because um, the Lake Tahoe game, but since playing Buffalo and the Rangers, that has increased significantly. In fifth place, uh, well, tied for fifth place, but the Flyers have two games in hand on the Pittsburgh Penguins with 23 points, having played 19 games. They have an 11-7-1 record for a minus three goal differential. Um, their record looks better to me than I had originally thought, but you know what it is? I only see that one overtime loss. They've just been a good overtime shootout team, it yep. seems like. Um they're still hanging in there. There's a little bit of a drop-off in points now, uh, as well as games played when you look at the Devils. But first, we're going to talk about the Rangers. 18 games played. They were 7-8-3, seven, eight, seven, eight, and three, plus one goal differential. That's kind of surprising. Uh, 17 points. The New Jersey Devils, 16 games played, 16 points, 7-7-2, seven, seven, and two, negative six goal differential. And finally, the Buffalo Sabres, 18 games played for 15 points. They're 6-9-3. Negative 10 goal differential. Uh, Steve, just your thoughts on the standings and any notable games, players, performances uh, that you saw over these uh, last two weeks, really. Thus far, I think the standings are pretty much your top four and your bottom four are about what you'd expect. I think there's going to be some flip-flopping between there. Um, Buffalo, they just... It's kind of sad because you got Eichel there and Hall, Reinert, um, Darlene, Ristolainen on the back end. It's like 
they should be better. There's something missing. I don't know if I know people like Kruger and Hall had him um, earlier in his career, but there's just something about that team that it, it just doesn't mesh. And I don't know if it's going to be an Eichel trade um, or a Hall trade, but something's got to happen there. I mean, Jeff Skinner's getting scratched. The dude's making what eight million or nine million. Um, it's it's pretty sad what's going on there. And the Flyers played him yesterday. They're a different team without Eichel. Um, oddly enough, they have the best power play in the league. Um, but I guess when you when you talk about Eichel, Hall, Reiner, um, some of those guys, you can see. And Olsen, he's always the he's at the top of the leaderboard in uh, power play goals scored. But they're they're I, I don't know. They're they're just missing something. Uh, but the other teams, I'm kind of I figured they'd kind of be where they are. Um, this week, I really got to tune into Washington-Pittsburgh, their matchups on Tuesday and Thursday. Um, Tuesday, I, I thought it was a fairly even game. Um, Malkin, he's just he's a shell of what we knew him as. Uh, that, that dominant player, I don't see it anymore. Um, I think he's – I don't know if he's really helping the team. Um, he did score, but really he just kind of stood in front, and it was a nice pass. I think it was by Latang. Um, he kind of just deflected the goal in, but Malkin just doesn't look like the player we knew. Sid, it, it's it's unbelievable what he can do. Like anytime he's out there, you feel like he's making a play. Um, it, him, Gensel, and, and Rust have been a pretty solid line, but overall, one of and, and one of the things. This is one of the reasons I wanted to bring it up. Um, Tuesday they went in overtime, but early in the game, the announcer talked about Mike Matheson and what a great deal that was to bring him in and, and how he's looked good. And I heard that. I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about. You probably haven't seen him play at all or heard anything. It's, it's like one of those things that an announcer will say, and most people probably just brush it right off. But I heard it, and I had to actually rewind to make sure he was talking about Mike Matheson, and I, and I didn't just imagine that. But, like, he said it. I'm like, Mike Matheson's been terrible. And then later in the game, he got just undressed by someone. Um, it's it's not good in Pittsburgh. I think they have 23 points, but I, I don't think they're that. I, to me, the 11 wins is kind of just that they're about to fall off the cliff based on what I saw. They, Kapanen had a nice winner in overtime Tuesday, but then Thursday, Washington just outplayed him from start to finish. And, and I thought they looked really good. Um Next, uh, Boston Islanders. This was like the most un-Boston thing I think I've seen in a few years. They're tied 2-2 going into the third, and I thought Boston had outplayed them for the most part, and then the Islanders just like blacked out and scored five goals in the third, and it, they just blew their doors off in that period. It was it was kind of incredible to watch because you never see that happen to Boston. And, and then Boston, I was kind of interested to see them play the Rangers on Friday, and I'm thinking that they're going to come out mad and, and they're probably going to beat up the Rangers pretty good. The Rangers just came out and killed them. They, it was close early on in the first period, and then the Rangers just took over and ended up winning the game 6-2. to two. So it was kind of nice to see Boston lose two in a row. Um, today I know they're up, I think it's like 3 nothing after two periods. So they're bouncing back a little bit. But it was interesting to see. Maybe a little uh, crack, a chink in the armor for them. Uh, they're a good team. Uh, I think I underestimated them. But it, if the Flyers can just play them and shut down that first line, like anything you got to do, just don't let that line score. I feel like they can win. That That's what's been killing them. And you see, if they're not going, they're a different team. So I, I want to play the Boston at full strength. 
um, and see see what the game goes like. I don't think the Flyers have done that yet. Um, so it was uh, it was an interesting week uh, to see some of the so some of those games. And one of the other things I've noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this at all. Maybe it's the schedule. Maybe it's guys not wanting to to get into it. But there hasn't been a lot of animosity. Like even in the Flyers games, you get um guys near the net near the goalie like from a stoppage and normally you'd get a scrum every single whistle now it's just like guys are there make sure you don't hit the goalie and everybody just skates away so it's a little interesting right now maybe it's more in the playoffs but i I just feel like there's not that uh that anger that you're used to seeing yeah it seems like there was earlier in the season when these teams were playing each other more often and it's almost like they had to pull it back because they're going to be playing each other for so many more games, I guess. Um, I don't know what that's about. Uh, Flyers have, are, they've been a little soft anyway, so I wasn't expecting to see too much. But with these other teams, I thought I would. Um, just, it's just a weird season. So I, I bet you you'll have we'll have a stretch where it gets all bent out of shape again, and ultimately when the playoffs come, that's going to be rough. Um, I, I still can't believe that about Mike Matheson. I mean, I actually agree with the announcer. It was a great trade for Florida. <laughs> do you see what Hornquist has revitalized his career? Yeah, like, he's killing it. A great record. Like, I don't know. I, some people, they looked at, or some uh, announcers, they look at the notes real quick and they make a quick assumption. Even with stats, though, I don't know what assumption you could. Was it the home announcer or was it the uh, network guy? It was NBC. Uh, I, I can't think of who was calling the game. I think it was their their B team. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't Eddie, but it was one of the other guys. You've, I've heard him a bunch of times. If I saw him, I could tell you. But um, I just like Mike Matheson. That's that's the guy you picked out. Like if you said it was a it was a great trade for for Florida and didn't even really mention the the Matheson part of it. Okay, I could I could handle that. But like you apparently haven't been watching them at all. It's a shame. It's what they're supposed to do, and they just you come think? off silly. It's like, come on, man. I don't know. Sometimes they can't. They just can't be that tuned out. That I feel like the networks are pushing a narrative for some reason. I don't know if it's for viewers or or what, but I I can't figure out why. But to be that tuned out is just silly. Like, yeah, it was. On. Or talk talk about Kapanen. He's been a decent trade. Like. Matt, yeah, I, it was it just surprised me. I, I had to, I had to bring it up just because we know we talked about the the trade. We both didn't like it for Pittsburgh. Um, so I just I had to at least to touch on it. Yeah, I, I can't believe that was said. That's unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, like you alluded to, the guys we thought would be in the top four are there and the guys in the bottom four are there with the Penguins knocking on the door. You know, and the Flyers might be in fourth right now. They got three games in hand, which I kind of like having games in hand, to be honest with you. Let's get healthy. Boston's looking pretty good. They're in second with 24, and they got two games in hand on the team above them and right below them, which is good for them. Um, But, yeah, the Flyers, if they, like, beat Buffalo again, and then I don't know who – I haven't looked ahead at the schedule. They they get Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh three times this week. Three times? Yep. Okay. So, I mean – they could theoretically, they should beat Buffalo in about an hour. Um, and then you take two of three from Pitt or, you know, one and then another overtime point or something like that. You know, you get your – I'm just saying to catch up with your games in hand. I know that's how it's not going to work. But say they did. Say they got five points. They're in first place by two points. You know, yeah, and then you, right see what happens, you see what happens with Boston. You know, I mean, that's 
that's one, that's how tight it is. But two, that's also why I like having games in hand and still having it be this tight. So that's that's good. If it comes down to where we control our own destiny, that's a better position to be in than hoping and praying. And I'm you got to figure, and I was going to allude to this, teams like Buffalo, uh, maybe Pittsburgh, or the, if it's Hexall and he gets to go ahead, he will. They're probably going to start selling pieces. I don't know if the Rangers do. I don't know what they have a value to get rid of them. I can't off the top of my head think of one-year guys. They'd be looking to move out maybe Georgia, but I don't think they'd do that unless they get an absolute haul because mm-hmm. I don't think Shashirskin's ready. Uh, the Devils, who's it like, what are they going to do? Are they going to finally trade Sajak? I seriously doubt it. Um, <laughs> maybe somebody can take uh, Supan off their hands. Again, seriously doubt it. Not cap hit. But Buffalo does have some guys they can move. It's already being rumored. Hall and Calgary are talking. doesn't sound like John Gaudreau is going to be back. doesn't sound like Monaghan is going to be back either. sounds yeah. like they're they're resetting something out there. Um, should be interesting. Flyers should be in on all of this, and we'll get into it. You know what? Let's move on here. Um, so I did before we move on to the – I did want to talk about the Flyers' future for this season and going forward, but before we get into that – did you happen to catch a uh, – we you know, we do work with these guys from time to time. We, they've been on our pods. Uh, but Broad Street Hockey, I don't know who the guy was. I never heard of him. Released an article. I first saw it on Twitter, and it said that they uh, they don't need – Flyers don't need goons. And that is just – it immediately struck me as clickbait because if you say something like that and you use the word goons, you're it's going to get clicks because of the terminology. Yep. I think it was hated on so bad that it got changed to toughness, which is also not true. But it, it was still kind of head-scratching, still a uh, clickbait article. Um, but uh, And I get what was being said, but ultimately every team needs some added tough, toughness. It's just something I don't think you build your team around. As you alluded to on our regular show, you – supplement your superstars and what you have with some toughness for the playoffs and division matchups and whatnot. But Steve, did you see this article? Did you hear any of the hoopla surrounding it and the clear clickbait that it was? I did. And the, the goon term was what kind of got me on it. Um, it's like you said, it's kind of clickbait. Look, it's, does every hockey team need toughness? Of course. You, you, you got to be a team that's hard to play against, but there's a difference between adding a goon and adding guys that are uh, like that are that are tough on the ice, both in style of play. And you've got to supplement that with skill. The, the days of having a fourth line of guys that are just going to go out and, and muck it up um, and only be out there for physicality is gone. But you still need some of that in your lineup. Like, let's be honest, Robert Hag, probably one of the quote unquote tougher guys in the lineup, but he's not good. So there, there's a difference between that. And if we can add a guy like like Niskanen, I think was a, was a really good example of, of that. I think he was a skilled defenseman. We saw what he did with Provorov. He was probably the, he was one of the best defensemen the Flyers had on their team last year. But you knew if it came down to a scrap, he was going to be the guy mixing it up. Um, he was a nasty player. Like between the lines, uh, between whistles, he was a guy that was going to put every ounce of toughness he had to win a hockey game. So it, it's like that catch 22. Do you want to be a tough team? Do you want to be a skilled team? I think there's always room to add, but I don't want to just add a, 
a goon to add a goon. And I don't want to just add skill without him fitting into the room. So it's like, uh, you, you gotta, you gotta straddle the line a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and there aren't even really any goons left. So the fact that that terminology was used, which is silly, um, Sometimes when we talk about this stuff, and you'll see it on our other show, our regular show, it's like politics. We take to- we take our sides to make our point, and you almost have to overdo it, and all of a sudden you find yourself in a situation where it looks like you don't want it at all. And I think I've been – especially when it comes to me and Kyle, Kyle's definitely all about adding that toughness, as much toughness as you can. And my point is not against that. It's more so we have other glaring issues that I think need to be addressed. However, that doesn't mean that I necessarily disagree with what he's saying. But when we get into it, it's like it's almost like Twitter. Like you just you're not allowed to have a little bit of both each piece of the pie. You know, you're one or the other. And uh, sometimes when we argue, you can't help but overemphasize your point and you come off that way. And I've come off that way. And I just want to put an end to that now because when I saw this article – I don't know if anybody knows my opinion or thinks it's a different way than I do. Cause I have seen stuff on Twitter as well from random people that says, if anybody doesn't believe in toughness or goon, they didn't, they don't say goons cause it's not goons, but you know, a player hits throwing the body around and then I can't take your opinion seriously. And it's like, all right, well relax. <laughs> it's not that serious, but um, I, I guess my point is, and I keep coming back to what you said. It's like, we should have toughness. We, I would love to have toughness, but the, I would not go searching for toughness as the top attribute in a player. I need this team needs so many more things, and I'll just have this go into our next um, uh, topic, really, with the Flyers. And essentially, I wanted to ask you your thoughts. How the Flyers have been this season? Yes, we haven't really been healthy, but also the future. And before. You, I, you know, give me your answer. I want to lay out a few things for you. And I got these things from uh, the interview that Jimmy did with Anthony DeMarco. And I uh, almost wish I could have been a part of it. It was so good and uh, interesting. Um, I, I wish I heard it before I podcasted last week. I would have loved to have, uh, I don't want to say picked it apart because there's nothing wrong with it. I just, there's things I wanted to comment on. A few of those things were, did you know that the Flyers are pretty much the only team in the NHL with over $7 million being uh, paid to three wingers. Um, that is a little different in Drew's case, because when he signed his deal, he was a center, but he's now a winger. Uh, Jake is the other one with actually, oh, Jake and G are actually over eight and a quarter, and then JVR with seven. Not many teams that have player, even one winger, uh, making that much money are successful. And I believe a lot of that is because you're you're expected to do so much more at other positions. And if you're a winger, you're you're pretty much expected to do one thing, and that's score goals, and a lot of them. And I kind of came back down to earth a little bit with JVR, although I do think his numbers are still better than seven million dollars at this point, just what he's done this season uh, so far. But if you're getting that much money, you need to be doing nothing but scoring essentially. I don't know what else you can really do at wing. It's not like he's laying massive hits and people are afraid of him or anything like that. He hasn't proved the power play, and I'm very happy with this play, but he's not always that player. And the fact that he's making $7 million, he needs to be doing exactly what he's doing. This is what we expect. Um, as far as Jesus is a little different, but Jake Jake drives play, but he's making an awful lot of money, and he's at for a winger. And I think that's part of our issue. 
when you look at our centers, you got two guys who are pretty much 30. Not quite yet there with both of them, but I think by the time Couturier's contract's up, he'll be 30. Mm-hmm. And Hayes, is he'll be like 30, 31. And then I, we talked about Patrick, and he's not really excelling. Morgan Frost, how he's barely played. You know, it's it's tough to say. He's really barely played. Now, I don't know where Lawton fits into all that, but what we thought was a strength for this team over time might not be as much as a strength as we thought down the middle, and then they're going to have to start shelling out money. Uh, Couturier could be looking at 8-8. Eight and eight. You know, I mean, making 38 years old, making $8 million. I don't know what he'll get, but it's going to be a lot, and we're going to need to keep him. Um, and I just, outside of Farabee, I don't see a whole lot of guys who are youth, really young, you know, that are, you can truly hand the team off to, like a replacement for G and even Jake, and hopefully you would think better than Jake. But I don't think, as much as I like Konechny, uh, I would have traded him for Lyonet. I think part of the reason I, I screamed for Lyonet, obviously he would take more than that, but obviously I was pushing for a guy like Lyonet because he's a true superstar, and I don't know who this team's going to hand that over to when the time comes. And then we haven't talked about it, but defense – and we know all the issues that have been there. Um, I do know, remember the St. Louis Blues brought in Jay Bomeister, not necessarily because he was the same player, but to bring up a guy like Petrangelo. And you've seen the kind of player Petrangelo has become. We did that for one year of Niskanen with Provorov, and you saw Provorov had his best year. He's been gone since then. It's been unaddressed. And you've seen him aggress, and the rest of the defense has been pretty tough. Um, I've always envisioned Sandheim or Myers jumping up or taking over, or we get another guy and whatnot, and we figure it out that way. Uh, but it's looking like that might not be the case. I think Sandheim is playing a little bit above his pay grade. Uh, there might come a time where we have to choose between Sandheim and Myers, and we need to make a move. Um, ultimately, I, I'm worried about the team's success in the future. Whatever happens this season happens. But without making, I would say, two to three significant moves um, in my head, I envision them trading forwards or trading a defenseman of some, maybe Sam Heimer, Myers, I'm not sure, and some picks or whatever for some kind of legitimate forward and then trading forwards for some other defensemen. Um, you know, we've discussed certain guys have been available. I, I have to go back to the article. Um, I don't know their availability, but Adam Larson was brought up. His defensive style is more about what was comparable to what this team needs, um, as well as uh, Matisse uh, Ekholm, who's uh, currently on the trade block. I believe he's on the IR. However, we do know what he brings to the table. And it'd be more of a balance if you had, say, Provorov and Ek- uh, Larson and then uh, we'll say Myers and Ekholm, and then you know you figure out like York and Zamula or whatever on the bottom pairing, whoever's still here when all the dust is left standing, and then whatever player you added on offense with already the depth we have. To me, that's and especially if you do get a superstar like maybe it's Grudeau, I don't know, maybe it's Line A or the um, whoever. I, I'm not sure who's going to be available or, or whatnot, but to me that seems more of a future that Giroux can hand the team over to than what we currently have constructed. I threw a shitload at you. I stole from a great interview, but it, it was worth being discussed. Any of that resonate with you at all? It's tough. Um, if if I look around the league and thinking of teams that have players in the pipeline for some, for a, an aging vet to hand it off to, I have a hard time really pinpointing a lot of those teams in the NHL. I think... I think we're in a weird situation, especially with COVID, where 
guys like the the JVR, the Kevin Hayes, those guys were signing deals that were going rate for the time. And and now you see other contracts that got signed this year, like Petrangelo signed what seven or I'm sorry, yeah, seven for forty-two. Like that's way, way under market value of what it should have been in a normal year. Like if that if he hit if there was no COVID and Petrangelo hits the open market, he's probably getting about ten. Um Based on what Provorov signed for 675, Hedman, I believe, is slightly under because he signed before. But, like, we're in a weird spot. So I think JVR and, and Kevin Hayes, you, you brought up their salaries, and G and uh, Voracek. And I think they look worse because of the situation that uh, the sport and the world is in. So, like, I have a hard time killing them for what they did. Like, Hayes has brought a ton to this team. And I know that some of these guys are getting older. It's just so difficult to set up young guys uh, to be that next wave. And I think from what we've seen with Farabee, um, to me, he's he's budding into what could be a potential superstar level. Um, he looks night and day from what he was last year. Last year, you saw flashes from him, but there was a lot of inconsistency. This year, it seems like the game is just coming natural to him. Um, he's finding those those soft spots of the defense. He's scoring like he just looks like a, a confident player. Um, Lawton, I I feel like we're probably gonna lose him um, based on the situation they're in. But then you got Lindblom. Um, he hasn't looked great, but I'm willing to give him a little bit of a pass based on what happened to him last year. Um, Patrick, you mentioned him. I don't know that he's gonna be a superstar. But he hasn't pl- also hasn't hadn't played hockey in a whole year before um, coming back this season. So I'm not going to judge him. I, I think if nothing else, he's your third line center um, going forward. And if he doesn't turn into more than that, it means you're probably getting him for a fair price and he can stick on your team. I think it, at, at the forward position, the Flyers are missing two top end guys outside of what we have uh, in terms of the pipeline. I know. Uh, they drafted Forrester this year. Zade Wisdom looks like he might be a decent player um, based on what I'm seeing from the minors and what he did over the offseason. But I, th- I think there's still a trade that's going to have to happen. And is it line A? Maybe. Um, is it another young center? It, it could be. But I think I think there's still going to be room to make those moves once. And I think JVR may have played himself into uh, Seattle. Um, so I. I don't think they're in a terrible position. I think it, it looks worse as a Flyers fan because it's like, where do we go from here after some of these guys move on? But I think you could say that it, you could pull probably half the teams in the league, their fan bases, and they'd tell you the same thing. Now, on defense, I think you've got a great um, core of Provorov um, and Myers, and then I think Sanheim gets protected. So I think those, those are your three guys, plus you have Zamula and York in the pipeline. And you can always add depth from from D. And the one thing the Flyers have, uh, I know he hasn't played great, you still have Carter Hart. So as long as you've got a goalie that you think is a superstar goalie, which I fully believe, um, I think you can make everything else work. Without a goalie, we've seen what the Flyers have done, and it's it's been really hard. You're piecing everything else together. I don't think they're in as bad of a situation. I just think they need to make the right moves. Are we going to be drafting a superstar at – 24 to 31, 32, hopefully, probably not. But you still got to get NHL-ready players um, in the pipeline. And 
I'm willing to wait and see what happens in this offseason and maybe even at the trade deadline to see what they address. If they can add a guy like Ekholm, I would be stoked um, because I think that slots your defense in exactly where you need it. But I'm not ready to to write them off for the future just because it, it looks like we don't have guys to hand the team off to just yet. I'm uh, I'm a little worried. And the one thing I forgot to mention is it just seems like it's a young man's game. And yeah. you look at the best teams in the league right now and some of the players and superstars they have, you know, the McKinnons, the McDavid's, the Matthews, uh, the Pastas, you know, that's what this team severely lacks. And now we have gotten better and I, I can appreciate that. And I'm very worried about what moves need to be made to get us over the top because they got to be unique. They got to be the right moves. He doesn't have much room for error. There's a massive hole in defense and has affected the entire defense and a bit of the goaltending. I think it's affected the forwards too, even guys like Konechny who need to get that puck to get out of the zone to make things happen. Yep. Um, and I'm just I'm worried that we're in a weird spot right now. It's like as Jimmy said, it's uh it's like a you got your meal, but it like your meat's not cooked. It's not finished, <laughs> you know. And but if you go and cook the you know take the meat back and have it cooked, your sides get stale. You know what I mean? Like they're that's, under a heat lamp. It's and a good that's analogy. And for checking those guys, you know, and it's 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 a tough. You're really do you go all in for it now? Which I don't think you do because I don't think one you can financially figure that out, and two, uh, who are you going to get in a cap strapped you know flat cap error? Like how are you going to how are you going to really go for it? Like I don't see how that's doable. So I think you, you lean towards restructuring. Re, I don't even want to say retooling. Definitely not rebuilding. But um, you know they got to make some big moves and make some bigger decisions. Um, and it's not the end all be all. Um, and I understand what you're saying. I just want to look at the upper echelon of this league. I don't think the Flyers are really in it because the, all we're really going by is the last couple of months of last season when they really started to pick things up. They looked pretty good in the bubble, but ultimately the team that we thought they were better than the Islanders, although they don't play them very well, um, looked better than us the entire series. It's a miracle on went to game seven. And I don't even like bringing up Montreal because they exposed a lot of weaknesses this team had. Then we lost Matt, Matt Niskanen. And that, that is just something that has not be, been replenished. And as more time goes on, certain guys get older. They look like shell of their former selves, and they got to reallocate this money. And it's the cap's not going up, and keep certain guys and fill some holes. And it's it could be tough. It's um I, I like we both mentioned that Faraby could be a superstar, but what if he's not quite a superstar, but he's okay. He's pretty good. He's a good nice player. Um, one thing that I don't like talking about is like Limblom might not be more than a third line player. He might – people are going off a small sample size from last year. He is a fifth-round pick. He's a nice player, but he's really who we thought he was. Again, I'm not going to go by this season, but I'm trying to be realistic as well. Nobody's impressed with Patrick at this point. He throws his body around a little bit, and it's almost like with ghosts. Like, you get all excited. Now, I'm not the hate's not there for me because I'm glad he's playing, but I do worry about that. I'm like, we've seen this before. We've seen guys that we've like show a little pushback and like, okay, here they come. And then they fall off a cliff and disappear again. And you can't have that happen, especially with the needs we have. And um, um, it seems you're more optimistic than I am. 
And one of the things that would get me – I mean, I'm so optimistic. The team's better flat out, and there's talent all around. I really like Farabee. And Hart will be better. He just – he's still a super young goalie, and he looks like a young goalie right now. And, you know, it's not a perfect position to grow into, especially in Philly. So we'll see. Uh, we'll, that will turn around. And it's good that Elliot's here now to, like, you know, right the ship for him. Um, well, I'll, I'll give you this, and maybe this is something we say for next show. We might have to do a little bit of homework here, but – of the other teams in the NHL, what, who whose shoes would you rather be in than the Flyers? I guess like, look, the the Oilers have two of the best players in the entire world, but up until I, I think it was two weeks ago, they went like 25 straight games without winning when Dreisaitl and McDavid didn't have a point. So it's like, yeah, they've got two of the best players in the world, but it, it hasn't mattered. Like that hasn't translated to success for them since those guys have been on the team. So, and maybe it's just something we table until we get to do a little bit more research. But if if we're going to say we don't love where the flyers are, I'd love to know another couple teams that you would rather be in that position than where the flyers are considering everything that goes into it, the pandemic, the, the um, salary cap, things like that. I, I would like to take a look at that and maybe, Maybe see where the Flyers actually sit when you when you take it in terms of the, the entire NHL. I can't speak to a lot of the other teams' cap situations. I only know the Flyers, and I do know it's about to get a little rough. Uh, it was going to get rough before the flat cap, so I am a little worried about that. Um, so obviously in the Central, uh, who wouldn't want to be the Lightning, especially the way they right. uh, you know circumvent the cap? Um, if I'm the Hurricanes, I'm a goaltender away from being up there. Uh, the stars kind of surprised us all, so, but they, you know what? They got the hell of a defense and some goaltending there. You can't can't hate on that. And they still got some of their older guys at forward. And I do think replacing certain forwards is better than re- if you have the rest of the structure of your team there. Um, Panthers, I'm I'm not ready to buy in on yet. I don't like that Bob contract at all. Blue Jackets, it's unfortunate because if they kept the guys that they traded for, that'd be one thing. But I don't think they're going to. You know, Blackhawks have admitted they're rebuilding or going to rebuild, regardless of the record. Um, Nashville, they're just getting old. They've been at the top of the league for so long. You know, guys get old. It is what it is. And certain guys aren't scoring. Like Johansson just isn't the same player. It's like Flippa Forsberg's our only offense. And yeah, you could have getting, you could have Johansson and Duchesne on, on on the books for another what six years at eight million. Yeah. I mean, that don't look so good. It really bites you. The only thing I like about the Red Wings is Yeisman right now. Uh, he's going to make some moves and draft some players, and they'll be back in it. You look at our division. I mean, uh, Bruins have been good for like 15 years now. They've always been there. They've been, a lot of that continuation of their cup years has been the drafting of Pasta. We know the Capitals are going to start to slow, slow up eventually. We're just waiting mm-hmm. for the Ovechkin train to slow down. Islanders and Barzell, I mean, they're hanging in there. They're starting to figure things out like where they thought they would. They have the defense and the goaltending to, you know, get the structure of their team, and they got the uh, the stud players to, you think, put them over. Um, Penguins, we we talked about them to death. We know what's going on with them. I wouldn't mind being the Rangers because they have superstar talent. Um, the one thing that I don't like about the Rangers, though, and it's kind of alluded to this, is they need center depth. They need some centers. They should have been all in Dubois, and they still should be. Um, Devils, Jack Hughes is a great spot, uh, shining spot, as is Blackwood and Ty Smith, a couple of other guys, but they, they need a, significantly more. Uh, Sabres are almost like the uh, 
exception to prove the rule because Eichel being what he is, but they just have not put a good enough team around him at all. Their drafting has been pretty rough. Um, you know, Hall was never staying there. I already talked about the Maple Leafs. Think about all I'll say about the Oilers, and I, I get your point. However, when it comes to like a playoff series and then a game, I'm, I would take the team that had the absolute stud players on it. I feel yeah, like but that's they rise to the occasion. I, I, I disagree with you because that's where I think they came up the smallest last year. Well, they played well, but they lost the Blackhawks. They were the five yeah, seed. They I lost just, the, the Blackhawks. They shouldn't have even been there. And, and it's like, how do you lose to a team like the Blackhawks with with those guys? I, I know I know they couldn't get a save to say to for to to for anything, but like maybe change the way you're playing. Like something you got to do something. Like you have two of the best players in the world, and you can't beat the Blackhawks. Yeah, and I just I think that that is a a recent example. However, I I still think I would have the best players just from having played and they just, if they take over, that's one thing. And I think the Oilers, God, what's his name? Really screwed them with some stupid contracts. If they could, they need to tweak some Shirelli. Yeah. They need to tweak some things, but ultimately you just, you can't guys like McDavid and Dreisaitl. I, I, I know it didn't work out from last year. I would take him again this year in the same exact playoff series and just hope for a better result. And I kind of would expect a better result. McDavid, the way he does things and the speed that he does them at, you would hope you could put a better team around them. And in most situations you can. Uh, they're, they're, they're just – they're a strange situation. But, yeah, that, it was actually – I think most t- people were surprised they lost Chicago because they – their second this year. They had a pretty good season last year, and they just – they fell short in the playoffs. These guys don't have a lot of playoff experience, and certain guys are just not good. But uh, I, ultimately, I, I, I'm, yeah, I may have – I would have lost last year, but this next year, this year, years going forward, I'm still putting my – my hat in the ring with these stud players. Hey, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't, I'm not saying I wouldn't take them, but at the end of the day, you, you still have to build a team. It's great to have those two guys, but you still got to build a team. And sometimes that that's what I think some people get. It gets lost in them. Like it, you want to have, yeah, you want to have these stud players, but the, look at, like I said, Eichel and those two guys, those stud players are only going to take you so far if you don't have a goalie and a defense to, to stop the pucks. Yeah, some of these teams have done a horrific job of of just supporting their their teams. Yeah. I mean, when they, McDavid was drafted, he, Terrell Hall was already there. You know what I mean? And they they screwed that up. Oh, you know, big that, time. They, yeah. So Maple Leafs to me are the shining example. I I because I listen to Hockey Buzz and I like Michael Agello and he's a massive Leafs fan. I feel like I'm like a part. I don't want to say fan, but but I do listen, and I've been listening to that show since like they started podcasting, like 2011, and I know a lot about the Leafs, and I just seen now a lot of it was getting a first overall pick in a year where you have a generational talent, but I love what they've done. I love the restructuring of the defense. They don't just keep it, you know. And here's another thing I want to ask you: Maple Leafs last year they they acquired all this defense and it did not work, so they reset it. You know, they got rid of guys like Tyson Barry and they brought in other guys. Um, Who's the one they got this year? Was it from uh, Calgary? They got a uh, they got Brody. Uh, T.J. Brody. Yeah. No. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think 
what's his name went to Edmonton. The but Barry went to Edmonton. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. They, of, they yeah. got more than that too. They brought in Simmons. Like they, you know, there's your added toughness. But when you already had Tavares, Marner, you know, Matt, um, Nylander and Matthews, you know, so that's where the toughness gets supplemented to the studs. They fix things on defense, and now look at them. Now they're they're 16, four and two for God's sake. You know that that is the type of team the way I view because you're right. You do need to build a team still. They got Frederick Anderson. He's a pretty decent goalie. He has his off games. He has his really good games too. And they didn't. I'm getting away from my question, so I'll bring it back here. They had an issue at defense and and toughness, and they addressed. They reset their defense and they added some toughness. And now look. So my question to you: If the Flyers Let's say they go to the second round and lose. Let's say they go to even go to the third round and lose. Seeing what you know about their team, if they run it back again next year and don't make any significant moves, are you happy with that? No, I still think they need to add uh, a guy to play with Provorov, um, which I think Ekholm would fit. Uh, a guy like Ristolainen I think would fit. Um, and then I'd like to see them add one more forward that can put the puck in the back of the net. Um, I think that's what they ultimately need, but I, I do think that they've done a pretty good job of building a strong roster. Um, they're, they're not necessarily top heavy, like some of these teams. Um, I mean, Toronto, they're playing out of their mind. Austin Matthews is on a different planet right now, but they've got like 40 million committed to four guys. That's hard to do. And then if you look at down the roster, it's a bunch of league uh, veteran minimum and like middle of the road deals. So you can survive on that. Um, but I think what the flyers have done is they, they put as many um, pieces as they can without having that elite player just yet. Um, if they can add uh, one guy up front, one guy on the back end, and there's a guys that they'll have for next year, I'd still feel pretty good about this team. Um, as constructed now, they still need to make a move, though. So I, I'm interested to see which way they go at the deadline and what Fletcher can really get done um, with taking into account cap space and um, the type of player that they need. So I don't want to run it back with what the team we have right now, but if we can make an addition or two, I think they're they're right there with any of the other teams. Yeah, and I just I think what's going to change, push other teams over – is one of two things, and it's a, that like legitimate superstar, like super superstar, or that big defenseman on D who you know because their their D really feels like it's in shambles most of the time, um, and they they are missing that, and I I don't know how they fill the hole, but something needs to be done. And just to go back to what I was saying about the wingers and making so much money, think of Warchak compared to and now Marner's obviously younger, but that also goes to my point that it's a young man's game. Fair. Marner had, you know, he had his 94 point season where he got paid and he's making shitloads of money. But, you know, since then, he only played 59 games last year. He had 51 points. He was still almost an assist per game, 16 goals for 67 points. And so far this year in 22 games, he has 22 assists, add on 10 more goals for 32 points. I mean, he is well over a point per game player. He's nearly an assist per game player. And yeah, he's making a shitload of money. But compare his money and his stats to Vorchek's money and stats, and it's like and youth. That's where I think it's when you have a winger making that kind of money, they need to put up stats like this. And Vorchek might drive play, and he's been a little bit better than what we're used to last year. But ultimately, I think he's gonna his contract is gonna hurt us. 
uh, and a flat cap definitely doesn't help us at all. And while I do like our team, we are a good team. I think that some of this, the way the money has been allocated throughout our lineup and with the aging of certain players, I think that we are, I have, I take pause to think that we can take that next step and be in the upper echelon of top teams in this league. I really do. To really put ourselves in that Toronto, Edmonton, Colorado, you know, Blues, Vegas mix. I, I just, I don't think, or Boston, like those top six teams, I, I still think we're on the outside looking in and without losing something substantial or getting rid of something substantial, whether it be money or a player and bringing back some uh, two, if not three, another forward, like you were saying, who can, who can really be relied upon to score when, you know, you need your top power play unit out there. He's out there. Uh, and then two, I think two pieces on defense, one to play with Progroff, who should be pretty good, like a one, a one B. Um, and then somebody else to play on the second pairing with Provorov or with Myers or Sanheim, depending on who you still have. Um, until they do that, I and I, I agree with everything else you said. The way the team is built and distributed, and I, I get all that, and I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, but there's those. That's what I think they're truly missing to really com, to truly compete with some of these better teams. Yeah, I hear you. I, I still think they're they're a piece or two away. Probably a piece up front, a piece in the back end. Um, but there's a lot of imperfect teams in the NHL too. So maybe maybe before next week, I'll I'll see if I can find a couple teams to uh to compare them to and we can see where where they sit yeah maybe as we get closer we're about if you round up we're about third through this shortened season so uh we'll check on that trade deadline and maybe have a better idea of uh what teams will be buyers and sellers and what players will be being dangled and what the flyers could potentially have a shot at uh, I just wanted to say we did discuss Matthias Ekholm a little bit on the last show, and I had a little confusion as I was like, I thought the fl- I'm thinking to myself, uh, doesn't that affect the Flyers protecting him? And uh, you know, I was being told, no, he doesn't have a, you know, he doesn't have a contract, whatever. And I was thinking about, it, I was like, well, if you trade for Ekholm, you want to keep him. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. You're going to trade for a guy in a two-year deal, right? Just let, exactly. Know, a guy like that, let him walk, you know, or so they don't have to protect him. But the, the idea, what you're going to give up to get him, because it's not going to be cheap. Um, and it's, it's – yeah, I know he's in the IR, but there's going to be a bidding for him. Let's be real. Defense is rare. And yeah, especially the, the way he plays. He only makes 3.75. You could say – you could call up uh, David Poole and say, look, we won at home, but we can't protect him, so it's really hard to give this up. There's going to be five more GMs behind you saying, we'll give this up for at home. We don't care. Like yeah, we'll you're not going to get him. Yeah. You're not going to get him at a, a discount just because you you say we can't protect him in the expansion draft. So it, you may have to overpay if you really want him um, and risk losing him. But if if you can do it, he's he's the type of guy I think they need. Well, then they need, and if they do, I'd be fine with it. But then they got to seriously look, and they they should want to keep him, and they have to look to making moves uh, to make sure they don't just give away. And I know. I get what Jimmy was saying when he said he's okay with like, oh, well, if we lose a guy like Sanheim or Myers, are they really that good or my Sanheim? And I, I don't want to quote him because that's not exactly what he said. But my point is I care about losing a guy for nothing to Seattle like a Sanheim or a Myers. That's why it comes – if you're going to lose him, trade him for something. Agreed. You know, you need to, Fletcher needs to be active in the offseason so they can still add Ekholm or whoever. And if they want to give up, what well, they got to give up because it's not like we need the picks anymore. We're not getting somebody and adding them. 
Like it's they need to use what they got to do to get better at this level now if they're serious about doing anything. Why certain guys are still on the team, and even for the future as well. Um, so I do hope something gets done and he remains active, and that's the only way I can see. Um, I don't like you said it's probably not as bad as we're making it seem, but it's something to keep an eye on and see how the team plays. You know, if uh, Farabee turns into a superstar and Patrick really picks up his play and certain guys really pick up their play, we're probably not having this issue. So game's about to start. We're going to have to wrap things up here. We'll continue this conversation as the year goes. We'll monitor what the Flyers do, what the division does. And as I, oh, as we always do, we'll bring it back full circle. So check out all our other shows, the main show with myself, Jimmy, and Kyle. Again, go back and check out that Anthony DeMarco interview. It was very eye-opening and interesting, and I love talking about it. You got The Bright Side with Josh Bright and Jimmy, the sheriff with Kyle Sean McMorrow. You can check out the Mike's um, – Excuse me, Scroy episode that was great because him and Sean McMorrow did fight each other over in England a few times, and that was fun listening to some of their stories. And a new episode just dropped with Ken Reed. Check out uh, our website, HW website at hwhockey.net. We are on the full press coverage app, our high wide hockey YouTube channel, HW on the fly. Uh, other than that, that's all we got for this week, everybody. Good night, guys, gals, Flyers fans. Till next time.